Welcome to the One Sealed Letter podcast, where we explore the legacy of letter writing and bring this beautiful art form into the 21st century. I'm your host, Kate Collier, the voice and warm body behind this podcast, and Catherine Hastings and Company, our sponsor. Given that this week is Halloween, I wanted to do an extra spooky special witchy episode for us. And we are so fortunate to have Laura Tempest Zakroff join us on the podcast today. There are so many ways to describe Laura. She is an artist, an author, a blogger, a dancer, a designer, a muse, a teacher, and yes, a witch. Laura teaches us about witchcraft. She shares some about her own journey in witchcraft, and she also brings some techniques from witchcraft into letter writing. I was most interested in Laura's work because she has expertise in sigils. Sigils are symbols that are used in witchcraft. With the work that I do in letter writing with wax seals, I thought there might be an interesting parallel for us to explore there. Of course, I haven't had much background in witchcraft, so it was very interesting to talk with Laura and learn from her. And I'd say one of the things that was most interesting for me in this conversation was that you don't need to be a witch to take some of these practices into your life. And in fact, if you haven't had any experience with witchcraft, it's a really fascinating conversation. So I recommend just for whatever experience that you've had up to this point, suspend your disbelief and just enjoy everything that Laura has to teach us. So without further ado, we'll get started. So welcome, Laura. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So a lot of our listeners, I, I know, have looked forward to this episode for about a month, and we've been talking about it a little bit behind the scenes. But I know just in learning about your background that you have all of these hats that you're wearing as an artist and an author and a witch. And I realized even for myself, I don't know a lot about witchcraft. So I thought we could start there. And could you just tell us a little bit about what it means to be a witch in the modern day and what witchcraft is? Sure. Well, um, I like to say that if you ask two witches what is witchcraft, you get about six different answers <laughs> because it's so much about your personal background and practice, and it, it really does differ from person to person. But uh, what I see it as is a connection to the other, to understanding the liminal, like the spaces in between uh, or consider it like weaving, right? That if we're each a thread and are interacting with each other and making patterns, we're working through that tapestry of life. Uh, so that means kind of paying attention to the smaller details um, that a lot of people overlook. And that can be from working with spirits and ancestors to working with the land itself and plants, animals, um, and a deeper connection to the self. It's like reorienting the human body back to like being an amazing magical tool. It's like your primary magical tool. Uh, mm -hmm. So you don't need anything else, but uh, you know, like the stuff, we all love the stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> we love all the things and the candles and the oils and the herbs and then what the art supplies to and all the things like we love the papers and the pens and all the things, but mm -hmm. it's still that you are the, the primary source. So it's about kind of connecting more deeply with that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's an element of just really honing in on your intuition and maybe nature is what speaks to somebody, but maybe there's another thing that they're, that they can feel deeply within themselves. And then these other pieces that we see as kind of um, trappings of witchcraft, they're more just tools that might be used, but 
it's not the thing that you're actually working with that's coming from the, the person themselves. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we tend to think of like these stereotypes, like the, you must wear black and you have to, you know, be able to read the runes in Tarot and, you know, well, the sort of like yeah, accoutrements, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, true for some folks, but it's so much um, dependent on um, how you interact with the world. So I know witches who are musicians and, you know, and so part of their magic comes through their music and how they interact with that. Uh, as an artist myself, um, it's very much linked that so much of my art is intertwined with the magic and the spellcraft that I do. Mm -hmm. uh, well, other people are healers, right? You know, they, they're either doing with herbs or they're nurses, right? They're nurses and doctors um, who are healing or working with um, in the hospice situation, you know, just mm -hmm. there's so many different varieties. Wow. Well, that's fascinating. Well, and so for your work, you mentioned how you combine your um, I don't know, is, is witchcraft the right word of saying combine your, your witchcraft with your art? Um, I'm just, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your unique passion and skill set in the space. I, I call it um, witchcraft or, or witchery. Um, it's, it, it, it best describes my path and I guess how I would, you know, like to say it, how I identify, but it's pretty much now that's like been on 25 years plus of like actively identifying as a witch. Um, mm -hmm. I guess just, just take it. Uh, but uh, you know, because that's also linked with how I spiritually see the world as well. But some folks might just say magic. Um, mm -hmm. But for, for working with art, right, um, so much of my art is connected to uh, interpreting spirits, um, doing portraits of, of deities. I don't feel like portraits mm. are the right word, but like if somebody is a devotee of Hecate and they're like, could you make a devotional piece for me? Um, that's something that I would do kind of tap into their experience or also do like little tiny spell paintings where someone is looking to, um, maybe they're fighting infertility or they want a house blessing or something like that. And it's just a nice way of doing it in art. Like you can definitely do these things with herbs and crystals and oils and all that such, but like the time that's invested in making art, um, it gives someone a visual representation. And I think that mm. makes it stronger in their mind um, to be able to visualize, to see things in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I love that you're infusing it into something that has its own natural beauty for a lot of our listeners, they're working with calligraphy and letter writing or doing gold manuscript work in the coming months. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that we're creating with our hands, but I even think about just writing a letter and the word spelling, you're literally spelling yeah. something, um, exactly. but there's something that you put in intention when you're creating something beautiful. Uh, I was initially drawn to your work and having you talk with us today because of the work that you've done around the sigils. Mm -hmm. With the letter writing, we have um, a lot of wax seals that we use. And most of my wax seals come from the 1700s and 1800s. Each one has a specific meaning, even with what plant that they might use on a seal could have a totally different meaning. So a bay leaf is a symbol of being loyal, um, where a hazelnut is a symbol of breaking conflict. And so in my own work, I'm not necessarily thinking about it as witchery, but I have a, a clear intention with the letters that I'm writing and the intention that I'm sealing. So I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about just sigils first, kind of giving us an understanding of what sigils are, but then how we maybe can incorporate sigil work into letter writing or into art that we might be creating. 
Absolutely. So the easiest way is to start with define what a sigil is, which is it's a carved, drawn, painted, you know, somehow made by human hands symbol that is believed to have magical properties. Uh, so that opens it up to so many different things, like a lot of things fall under the heading of a sigil. Uh, and when you go into looking at magic um, is the idea of being able to focus your will or your intent in order to bring about change. And that can be within yourself, a situation or environment. Uh, and so it's the, the application of putting those two things together. That's, that's the magic part. Um, and as we know, like that process that you're talking about, like with writing, right, with the art process as well, it's like that moment when you are using your hand and it's connected to your eye and your brain all of those things are working together it's like you're in this you're in a kind of a liminal space right mm -hmm. you're you're connecting and creating a, a visual reality uh and often condensing things like um i talk about in sigil witchery that you know so many studies have been shown um with students who have taken notes right they physically write their notes down they remember things better than those who just type them because mm -hmm. it, it goes through a different part of your brain. It allows, because you're condensing down, you're, you're going, okay, here's this long paragraph. How do I take away 10 words from this? Mm -hmm. And the other thing about that is when we're writing, when we're drawing, is we're stimulating a part of our brain that is almost like a, a video recorder. Right. If you think about like, if you look at a letter that you've written, you're probably going to think about like maybe what the time of day was, where you were, um, what you're feeling, like all of those situations come to mind because of the, the sort of recording power of once we were putting pen or pencil to paper. Um, mm -hmm. it's, that's, a, that's a magical thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. De definitely. Well, and I love that the way that you're talking about sigils, it's not something that's outside of ourselves or this, you know, secret magic, that it's really looking at how you're working with the materials that you have and understanding your own intention. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering just with the sigils that you might use, how do you find the right sigil? Uh, for instance, I know for some people, certain symbols mean one thing and for someone else, they mean other things. How, how would someone know what type of sigil they should be using or do they create their own sigil? How does that work for somebody that's new to, to working with sigils? Uh, I'm, I'm a very big supporter of people learning to create and craft their own sigils because uh, when you look at symbolism and you look across cultures, um, my favorite example is to use the hashtag, right? Um, you, you basically have a crosshatch, which is an ancient symbol. You're going to find it on the walls of caves you know, all around the world, like thousands upon thousands of years old. But if you show it to a child, it's a tic-tac-toe board. If you show it mm. to a musician, it's a sharp sign. And now we know it as a hashtag, right? And it's also the pound sign on the phone. So your age, your experience, your how you're interacting with it, that meaning is going to change from person to person. So mm -hmm. that personal revelation of a symbol I think is is more important than you know some Google telling you this is what it means like that could work but it's not the only way it's like we can sit there and discuss like what does a circle mean what does a star mean what does a square mean and mm -hmm. people are going to have many different answers but they're all technically be correct because they're coming from their personal experience mm -hmm. and it is um, it's, it's such an ancient art to look at symbol, like the moment that our brains recognize that you could talk about, you know, 
a river down the way and draw something on the dirt and someone will understand, oh, that's the river. Like, even though you know that that mm -hmm. line is not the actual river, your brain goes, oh, it represents something else in reality. Mm -hmm. I, that's what sets us apart as human beings. Like, that's super cool science and art combined there. Uh, so when it comes to figuring out, like, what's important to you, I mean, there's a variety of different sigil methods. Um, and, you know, most Western occultists will kind of give you only like two or three, which are kind of cool, but they've only been around for a couple hundred years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they're very much geared to certain cultures where if you look around the world, you're like, well, people have been making symbols for, you know, hundreds upon thousands of years. Uh, so what I like to recommend for folks to do is simply go, okay, what is it that you want to accomplish? Like, what's your goal? Is it, um, so I usually have the, the big three, which is something to do with money, right? Money, like get a job, um, find a place to live and love, right? Most mm -hmm. people are very interested in those three things. And if you think about that, right, that's your goal. Some people would just, you know, write out a sentence that says, I will get a job. And they cut out certain letters and jumble things together. Um, another person might say, oh, um, I'll burn a green candle and that will get a job. And those both might work, but it might not be really what you wanted. Like, oh, I got a job, but it's not the job I wanted. So I recommend mm. people do this next level, which is to kind of brainstorm, which is to say, I want to you know, make X amount of money. I want to work in this position. I want it in this time frame. I want more respect. Uh, I want advancement, you know, all, whatever it is you're looking for. And then align those with symbols. Mm. So if you're like, you know, whether it can be numbers and letters, but it can be a star for success. It can be an arrow for upward mobility. And you combine those together and you'll be able to work with a symbol that's personal to you. It has meaning because you know every single part of it and how it comes together. And then you can apply that so that you're like, well, I'm going to send off this resume. I'm just going to put an invisible stamp in my email that includes this or <laughs> physically mailing it off or dropping it off somewhere. That might be something that you, you bless it with that sigil in some way. Um, they mm -hmm. send it off underneath that flap, like the envelope flap, right? Nobody's mm -hmm. going to see it. Uh, I love that. It's, you know, secret sigils. Yeah. And so when you're working with sigils, just, just to kind of recap what you're saying, my understanding. So I can write, let's say, a letter where I'm putting out my intentions. You're mentioning, be really specific about what you want. Don't just put the job a job, put the specific job and what it feels like and how much money you make and all that, but then actually draw the symbol that means those things to you. So you mentioned upward mobility, you could draw an arrow or a star for success. You can draw them on the envelope. Could you also like draw them in invisible ink or just pass your hand over the envelope in the shape of the sigil? I guess um, what's kind of the practical way to, to put that symbol on the piece of writing? That's it. it's a great question, because you can. You can make it totally invisible where you just draw it with your finger uh, mm -hmm. on that piece of paper or on the envelope. Um, certain things that I send off where I know I'm going to be licking the envelope <laughs> and it's, it's <laughs> not probably going to come up again, then I'm probably going to like in light pen or something, I might, um, it's like when you send, if you still send your taxes off <laughs> in physical format, you're like, do not get audited. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> things like that or you know really like this job uh you put that in there and nobody's going to see it um but if you're worried about well, what if it flaps open and people are like what is this you can you can just do it with your finger you could do it with incense and draw it you know in the air around it um 
and you could dance it you know, mm -hmm. holding the envelope. Uh, it's what you know, whatever you feel most comfortable doing. Uh, invisible ink would be a pretty neat thing too, as long as it's you know. I know a lot of them are heat sensitive, and depending where you're sending it, um, that could get. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we haven't done much with invisible ink, but I'm thinking we should do a whole thing about that. Um, well, I know there are certain just little tangent here on inks. I know there are certain inks that can be used, um, for instance, Dragon's Blood ink. Do you know much about the supplies that we might use or even just if you know anything about Dragon's Blood ink, just to tell us a little bit about what, um, what types of materials you might be working with? Yes, so you could, uh, you, know, you can, Dragon's Blood is being a resin, you know, probably using any of the uh, other similar resins and liquefying and then doing them into ink because you're tapping into what is believed to be the magical properties for them. So um, some people say, you know, Dragon's Blood might be for empowerment and uh, strength and, 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 you know, other kind of witchy things where you might go towards more like frankincense for, for clarity and for, for peace and, um, mm of things like that but you could also do that with herbs too though you know the, the only thing is like when you start working with herbs and you if you don't know the proper um balance or you know concoctions like especially with more like tinctures that might be not as alcohol based um you look at does it get moldy is it does it become poisonous like pokeberry right like pokeberry is a beautiful gorgeous color but if you don't treat it right it can <laughs> it definitely get moldy on you and it's also poisonous so you don't want to get that all over your fingers uh, yes. So, you know, you know, rue the same way too. Like rue could be really used for protection, but the um, the sap of that plant can cause burns, um, mm. like photosensitive burns. Uh, so it kind of caution. It's like it's cool to experiment. Just you know, read up on what you're putting into the herbs for herbs. Excuse me, what you're putting into your ink, so that you're not using something that could be harmful or go moldy on you, which would be sad. Yeah, <laughs> Just a lot of time on it. Well, especially if it's something that you end up sending to someone else, you just, you don't want to have any risk there of right. them getting exposed to something. No, that's a really good point. And I, I hadn't realized that there were other types of ink that you might create depending on the, the thing that you're working with. And for your work, um, I saw just in kind of background research on sigils, some of them can be really complicated. Are there particular sigils that you would want to share with us that you think would be just interesting to know. You'd also mentioned some about the history only showing the past few hundred years where, you know, we've been drawing with our hands for what, like 5,000 or more years. Um, or I guess, no, we've been drawing for I think like 20,000 or more years, maybe 30,000. Um, so there's a much longer tradition, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I always forget. It's like, oh wait, that cave painting's older in my head. I'm like, oh, and that one's older too. Uh, but yeah, just um, any advice on what types of sigils we might be interested in or where to find them? So many of the uh, grimoires um, and even modern books on magic tend to have like, and here's a bunch of symbols that might be associated with um, demons or demons or spirits or gods kind of thing, which I can't see most people, you know, unless you you're actively have a relationship with any of those entities, probably not using. Because mm -hmm. uh, they're more about like kind of opening up a doorway or a gateway. So I'd, I'd say um, if you're kind of interested in sort of the, this sort of um, secret language of, of, of symbols, then I would look more at the magical languages and kind of play around with those. And you could combine those into a sigil like Enochian or Theban. Um, and God, there's, there's so many different magical alphabets out there. Uh, mm -hmm. But 
the um, online though is um, you know, if you're especially if you're doing something that's like say right now I know a lot of people are doing letter writing and sending postcards for to get people out to vote yeah. uh, so I have done um, every time I teach sigil witchery we do a group exercise where we craft a sigil and they tend to be very social oriented um, I would say social justice oriented I call them the shared magic sigils and there are two separate ones to help get people to vote or to protect voting rights. Um, mm. Those are so those are two that people can find on my blog. And so that's something that you can incorporate into the postcard, um, especially if you're sending it to somewhere where it's area where people's voting rights are being infringed upon. And um, there's other ones where, uh, you know, it's about different kinds of well-being. We've crafted a whole bunch this year for helping people get through the pandemic. Mm. Uh, so kind of sending wellness to people, uh, inspiration, different things like that. So those you can find online and they're, they tell you, this is the key thing. It's like, don't just like find something on Tumblr that says it's for this. Like, you don't know what that person was thinking. Like, here's, here's a sigil for love. Well, what does that mean? Like, what is that person's idea of love? Mm. Um, you know, is it, is it passionate love? Is it this kind of partnership? Or, you know, is it just general love for the world? Who knows? It's usually not enough information. But the shared magic, magic sizzles that we put out tell you exactly what went into it. So you see the brainstorming process. You'll see some of the symbols that went into it. Um, and they'll give you suggestions on how to use it. So you're an informed participant rather than just kind of copying something. It's like, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, it looks cool, but you don't know what it means. You know, don't know mm -hmm. what the intention was. Yeah, and I can see where with that, even if it means different things to different people, if you're just working with a broad concept like love, you, A, don't know where they're coming from, but also you're not getting super clear on what you want that to mean. The um, exactly. we had a handwriting analyst, um, Elaine Charles, on who spoke to us about how, and similar to what you're saying, how the brain has this real connection to writing, and how through moving our hands and drawing, something is happening within us that's changing the way that we're thinking. And she mentioned that sometimes people will admire a certain handwriting style and they'll try to emulate it, but without realizing it, some of the characters that they take on can bring in like fear or defense traits so that they won't mean to have. So I'm curious about that too. You mentioned you really want to make sure you know what's behind a sigil, but are there certain sigils that maybe you'd start working with it and you'd notice a negative shift or um, I guess, is there a way to kind of take on a trait that you wouldn't necessarily want through a sigil? I think it could be possible, um, yeah, especially in the ones that are really undefined, but you know, it comes down to effectiveness too. Uh, so part of it is really getting you to start to think about what is it that you're looking for. And if you're just kind of copying over and you're not going through that process, you're probably not going to have much of an effect anyway. Like you're just, it's sort of like trying to start a car with um, you know, the key not fully inserted. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so when you craft it yourself, then you definitely have that full experience. Um, but I wouldn't worry too much about, um, you know, really kind of picking something else up. It's just not going to be as effective. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you really want to understand why and the how and make it your own. Like, I think and that's a, that's a thing is in, in our society, people um, don't want to believe in their own power you know, say their own magic, right? And I think it's because society keeps telling us that, you know, what you do doesn't matter. You as an individual doesn't matter. Um, you know, your creativity doesn't matter. The arts don't matter, uh, but mm. they do. 
we like mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's like who benefits from you not having not believing in your your own power. So mm -hmm. I really encourage folks to to find that and start believing in it because uh, it does affect. It can make change. So the thing I'll say about sigils, uh, as you know, I have a friend who. Uh, he was getting on a plane and he, he put it up. He's like, ah, oh, I'm reading your books. I made a sigil. And then suddenly I got first class and this happened and that happened. <laughs> and, um, and if I, if I can use colorful language, but <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, he like, he got off the plane and he's like, this shit works. <laughs> uh, lovely Welsh. That's why my, my, I pick up strange, not real accents, but <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. So he's like, it does. I like, like, God, it's the best, you know, promo for anything is like, yes, this shit works. Mm -hmm. uh, you start to play with it, and especially when you have fun with it, too. Um, when you are in a more, um, you know, like, oh, God, take this super seriously. Like, if you're just a little more playful with it, your mm -hmm. brain relaxes. Everything relaxes, right? Uh, it's like when you're, you're really focused on probably making something super neat, you're more likely to screw it up than... Yeah just to kind of enjoy the process and think about what you're saying, right? So the same thing with sigils too, it's like a little bit of play, a little bit of fun um, can really have a um, amazing effective impact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you can even see that because if you're having, let's say you're working with a sigil that's helping change your mindset about something, mm -hmm. again, coming to the idea of your intention, if you're open with it, you're able to have that conversation with yourself or with your subconscious where just like if you were told to go in a room and have a great conversation with this person, if you had pressure, you would be totally asocial and it, you know, you'd come off as really weird where if you can just be natural with it and playful, it, it allows your, your energy to flow more freely. Uh, well, I, I'm curious, just from your experience, you'd mentioned the guy getting his first class um, ticket as he started using sigils, but do you have any fun examples or things that have been kind of eerily wonderful when, since you've been working with sigils? God, I've created so many of them. Um, and it's part of it's for, um, I don't actually create, end up creating too many for myself, like, you know, unless they're part of a piece of artwork. Uh, mm -hmm. Though one of the favorite ones I created for somebody else that was um, a combination of a spellcraft painting and the sigil was for someone who had been dealing with infertility for a very long time. And within six weeks of getting the spell, she sent me a note. She's like, I am officially pregnant. And now that wow. child is like four years old and doing amazing. Uh, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, it, it, it's not so much that I did that for her. It's her starting to you know, have that physical um, manifestation of it. So it, it, that was a really neat one. Mm -hmm. uh, the power mm -hmm. sigil that I created in November 2016, which was created in Seattle, uh, <laughs> at that point where I'm going, all right, you know, everybody's freaked out about what happened with the election, as we know for good reason. And, mm -hmm. you know, with our family being so weird and queer and all of our um, extensions being the same way, is going, what do I do? I, you know, I can write a blog post about this, but instead I'm going to turn to art because that's my main form of magic and to create a sigil that helped people feel like they were being protected and that their human rights would be respected um, and to help spread the word that other people would recognize, you know, that we're all somebody else's other. Um, that sigil has gone around the world. Uh, like with mm -hmm. the first few days that it was up, it had already been shared like 20,000 times. 
now people have um, tattooed it on themselves. Well, they've had it tattooed on themselves. Um, it's been um, carved into all different places. It's been put on protest signs. It's made into shirts, uh, you know, put in ceramics. And like, that's amazing to see wow. so many people connect with that symbol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, in taking it on, it's transforming something in them because they're saying, yes, I believe this. And I, you know, I, I believe in the power of my voice and my um, my importance as an artist and as a person and having my place in the world that's my shape <laughs> that I just fit in. Uh, I love that idea. When you're talking to about how some of this just comes down to things that we get from our culture about our voices not mattering or our art not mattering or being valued. And in my community, so people that are listening, it's a theme that comes up a lot about the ability to respect yourself as an artist, like even just charging what you're worth or having the courage to create art. Because I think a lot of people feel, you know, fear of perfectionism. And so they won't want to put their art out there. Uh, For the work that you've been doing with sigils, I guess, do you have any advice for that specific challenge that an artist might have. And I I kind of believe everyone's an artist, even if they don't identify as an artist, because we all have these skill sets, whether we're using them or not, that have creativity and something that's really unique that no one else in the world has. Um, So I don't know, just any advice for speaking to that fear or that challenge that might come up with artists? Yes, and that's, that's wonderful. Like I, it's so every every class where I'm teaching this and I'm showing people like examples of my art, and like I'm not an artist, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do this. Like you, you can do this. Every single one of you can draw, right? You know, you just have to shut up that voice of like whoever told you in second grade that your bunny looks stupid and you never drew again. I'm like that person doesn't matter. You know, you it's practice, and mm-hmm. so that's as it comes down to is anything that's worth doing whether you know it's learning to ride a bike or cooking or drawing right um working with paper all of these things it just takes practice mm-hmm. and so i love getting folks re-familiar with making a line making a mark on there being able to play with art supplies and i really encourage folks to not focus on like creating the perfect sigil but to allow yourself to brainstorm. So I often tell people like start off with a, um, a, a pen that you wildcraft it from the bank, right? You know, just a mm-hmm. plain old, um, you know, Bic pen and get some piece of paper and start working on it. And don't worry about erasing because people who are not familiar with the arts or who, you know, kind of feel like, oh gosh, somebody's going to judge me on my art. Uh, no, just throw the, no pencils with erasers. You know, just make the pen mark. Because what happens is the more you get into it, and even if you go, oh, that doesn't look right, I'll move on to the next thing, you can go back and still see the evidence of that first sigil or the second sigil, mm. you know, and go, oh, that was a good idea. Like, even though you thought it was stupid two minutes ago, you're like, oh, but that arrow, that's a really good thing. I'm going to incorporate this into the next. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. see that if you're always erasing and tearing up and crumpling up your work. You want to be able to leave the record there so your brain can analyze and problem solve and do design because that's what design mm-hmm. is. That's problem solving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, it's, I love that you're saying not only get started, not only make a mark, but keep, keep a record somewhat so you can see your progress and also give that yourself space to move away from the critic. Uh, I kind of see it too, like almost flexing a muscle once you just start 
putting yourself out there, it becomes a habit and it becomes natural and you don't second guess yourself as much. So also just as an exercise of create and accept what's been created, it gives you permission to continue to do that. Yes. And so I love to, when you talked about this sigil that's gone all around the world and that people put on their pottery and they've had tattoos of it, that your intention really was about empowerment and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. It was about empowering those individuals who are feeling, you know, threatened or disempowered um, mm -hmm. in the world. You're not creating a symbol that is causing more hate or rebounding in a violent way against other people. It's not a rebellion against what you don't want. It's the, kind of a fueling of what you do want. So that's a question I have about sigils. Um, granted, I, ha I haven't worked with sigils, but I know in my own life, I try to avoid any type of violence, even if I feel like it's well-intentioned. So like a mean thought against somebody that's done me wrong or, you know, it doesn't have to be physical violence. But do you have any just thoughts on that as far as sigils and our intentions? Is it important that we're always creating something that in every sense is positive or are there places where you might have something that's like more of a negative symbol that you might be using? I, I like to do a little bit of a consider um, metaphysical gymnastics when it comes to trying to figure out um, what you want to accomplish. So um, I also am not a big fan of, of violence. Um, I do believe in cursing and hexing and all that sort of thing, but that's often a means to stopping people versus trying to hurt people. Um, so like, you know, trying to catch a rapist, um, something like that, trying to um, protect people or, you know, some sort of offensive type of thing mm -hmm. um, or defensive um, combination. So when it comes down to um, like this, another one of the shared magic sigils is a dissolution of hate um, that was created in Birmingham, Alabama. And, you know, it's like, you, you could really phrase that language to be very negative, um, but it's more about what do you want to see in the world, right? Instead of focusing on the hate, you're dissolving it. So we're mm. focusing on more understanding, more visibility, more communication um, that gets, you know, equality across and equity across. Uh, you know, so it's like, what is it that you want to build? So focusing on what you want to build versus what you want to tear down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely. Uh, yeah. So that's where I tend to have like folks switch on something where they're, you know, they're like less fear. Well, okay. Well, less fear is kind of a weird energy thing. You want to be able to make things, people feel more comfortable and more secure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so can continue playing and flipping that because it's, it's thinking about energy. Like what, what is easier to do? Um, is it easier to kind of flow into things or trying to pull them back? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so kind of tapping into that universal flow, um, that's, that's how I see it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, some folks, um, so like with the power sigil, it has these little arrows that are pointing out and I have, it, it can sound a little graphic that you want the idea that people deserve to be respected as human beings to stick into those people who haven't figured it out yet. And those could be like little barbed arrows, but it's not meant to hurt anybody. It's meant to like awaken them, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. meant to share that idea so that people come to the revelation that they should be, they respect themselves and each other, like that combination so that we're creating community. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I don't wanna say like, it's all about being positive, but it's, it's about matter of what is more effective, what is going to cause change 
that is more beneficial with the least amount of destruction. Yeah, yeah. No, and you're not saying, okay, people that are different from me or that haven't, you know, awoken to the belief that we're, we're all equal, you're not trying to punish them per se or hurt them, but you're creating through this sigil work, some type of discomfort so that they're then tapping into what that thing is that needs to change. Um, like, as you were talking, I had this image of a horse and I, I used to ride when I was younger mm-hmm. and with spurs. I mean, if you were to really kick someone with a spur, it would hurt. But when you're working with a horse, you very rarely even need to use spurs. Sometimes just using your legs are enough to to get them to understand. But if they haven't learned it before, it's a really dire situation. They're not reacting. Mm -hmm. Then you might squeeze with your spur. You might kick with the spur, not going to hurt them, but it is a more kind of powerful um, way of suggestion, I guess. Um, So I don't know if that that resonates, but I was kind of getting that similar imagery about how you're maybe making that sigil have a little bit of a barb to it or an edge to it. That's then the catalyst for the change that you're wanting to happen. I think that's perfect. I also um, rode in my youth. And <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, it's about applying pressure, right? Or um, the, to add into the, the horse um, analogy here, like the riding crap, right? To pay attention, like pay attention to this, this thing that you're ignoring, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that we can focus and work together as a team, because that's, that's, you know, the rider horse relationship, right? It's working yeah. together. Um, so yes, you know, it's not, it's not about causing pain, but it is about pay attention, let's move forward, a little more pressure, and to get a better result for everybody involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Well, and it's good with sigils that you're creating something that's really well-intentioned. Like, even just think about horses, I was in this horrible habit sometimes where I'd click at people that were in my way, <laughs> trying to get them <laughs> to move, and I wouldn't mean to do it, but it was like, I was so used to being with horses, and just like move away. (laughs) um, So uh, yeah, I think, you know, when you're working with something that's a little bit more subtle, you can be more well-intentioned with it. Um, Well, I know we're talking a lot about sigils, but I know you do work with other types of magic as well. And as we're approaching Halloween, Sam Hine, Dia de los Muertos, you know, whatever um, people celebrate around this time of year, there's a sense of connecting with our ancestors, um, maybe that like liminal thread between our worlds being thinner where you know people write letters to people who've passed around this time of year do you have any um just i don't know cool practices that people might be interested in again given that we don't know much about magic or witchery um just i don't know some fun things that we might be able to incorporate around this time of year Mm, that's good good question so I, i love the idea of writing to your ancestors um, to to make that connection, um, and that's something too. We're like, do you? <laughs> there's so many options of like, what can you do with that letter, right? Like, if it's you know someone who's buried close by, you know, bringing that to the the cemetery, or is it more of um, the process where, like, in some Asian traditions, where you would burn the letter, right, to let it go to the heavens, to the other worlds? Um, that is one of the process, but the also thinking about symbols, like of who you're connecting with. Um, and when, like when I think about some of my grandparents on my mother's side, I, I think about some of the Italian and Sicilian symbols. So the Chimaruta or the, um, the Italian horn, right? Mm-hmm. So I might be working with those symbols because it reminds me of those traditions, but I might also bring in 
you know, there's the other senses as well, which is, you know, that perfume your grandmother might have worn um, or um, the cologne for your grandfather or, you know, different meals as well. But this is the time of the dumb supper, mm -hmm. right? So these connections of things. So there's, there are so many options. I said, what do people feel comfortable with? <laughs> because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's another thing that we're really as a society not good with we're not good with death <laughs> we've kind of removed it um and you know th th i think that's why this time of year we tend to think about our ancestors more because everything is slowly dying around us as the seasons change and so we're thinking about our own mortality which mm -hmm. then connects us to those who have passed on the close and then we think further back right that we want to be remembered mm -hmm. uh and that that right there is a wonderful exercise to think about like what would you want to be remembered for or what would you want you know to share with somebody else perhaps somebody who's passed this year right we mm -hmm. as a society hit so much death this year um writing a letter to somebody to let them know what you remember them for right um i think that is a beautiful way to work through grief mm -hmm. um and also pass on those intentions in whether that is done in a letter or in a sigil um, and kind of sharing that um, mm. and putting that in a special place. I love that. One, one of our listeners had asked a question a couple weeks ago about writing grief letters. And so since you're mentioning grief, I'm wondering if you could recommend maybe a sigil that we would put on a letter to someone who's passed or that we're still grieving. Yes. Um, so back in, like, what is time right now? Like, where are we? <laughs> Like it feels like two weeks ago, but this is, I think, back in um, May or June, uh, created a psychopomp sigil. Um, and that is exactly for the um, communications with those who have crossed over, but also a process of healing and working through grief. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that can be found on my blog. And it's a very simple, easy one to work with. Um, and so it's great for this time of year. Um, I think if you just look up psychopomp sigil, uh, folks can easily find it. And I'm sure you'll, you'll put a link in there for folks yeah. to find it. We'll put a link in the bio. And then um, also, too, I might practice some of these. And so if I'm practicing them, I can put them on Instagram and I can tag you also. So we'll we'll get to kind of work with them. Uh, well, one thing I'm wondering, so in, in this community, you know, all people are welcome. So every, you know, faith and people, we have people from all over the world. Um, so I'm wondering just if maybe somebody's coming from a tradition where there's fear around witchcraft or these principles are like, even just in my own family, when I was telling, I was talking with you, they were totally confused. Um, I was like, <laughs> what is a witch? Does she think she's a witch? And I'm like, well, she is a witch. Like, I don't think she thinks she has something that you don't have necessarily. Um, but do you have any advice just for people who might be having, want to try some of these practices of putting a sigil on their letter, but they're kind of hearing this uh, either like, judgment, self-judgment, or a fear of like, oh, I don't know if this is allowed within my, my ideology. Because um, it seems like in every society, there's forms of sigils, but I'm just wondering if you have any advice for that person that's like really curious and they're listening, but they're also like, but I don't know if I can do witchy stuff. Um, I, you know, or they're like, I don't want to say I'm a witch, but I, I'm interested in this. Um, just any advice for us on that? Absolutely. So you, you don't have to be a witch to make sigils. Uh, put that out there. And, and as we talked about in the beginning, right, that there are magical symbols all over the world. Every single culture um, 
pretty much every religion has magical symbols that they use. So this isn't about working with any necessarily any gods, god, deities, spirits, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's about you. It's about working with your own subconscious as well as your conscious brain um, and kind of putting it out into the world. And whether you want to call it a spell, what do you want to call it magic, what do you call it a prayer uh, or meditation, they're just all the same words for the focusing experience that happens. So you're not going to conjure anything. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's your intent that you're like, I'm going to go talk to, you know, great, great grandma. You, mm -hmm. you, you might have a dream where she shows up. Who knows, you know, if that's your focus. Um, mm -hmm. But doing the sort of things that focus your own will um, and to manifest that in your life, um, it, it, you know, not, there's not going to be an owl with a letter that drops by. <laughs> <and> <laughs> congratulations you're a witch uh you know it, it's it, it really is for for everyone and you know there are some practices where you know making images are taboo but then you can also still look at those cultures and see how they've gotten around their own taboo mm -hmm. uh particularly in uh, muslim culture and jewish culture right you're not supposed yeah. to get tattooed in jewish culture though um the amount of jews i know with tattoos <laughs> jews with tattoos that has a nice little ring to it be a good band name yeah Right, and in a way the, the Arabic calligraphy, you know, is mm -hmm. used in mosques. Um, so it's all a matter of just shifting your brain enough to go, all right, what, what do I wanna see? And, you know, if you wanna bring a God, a deity, a spirit, whatever into that, or you're like, I don't believe in anything, it still comes down to you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's the primary thing. It's, it's you making art that speaks to yourself and then enchants as I like to say I think it speaks to the universe however you see it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that I love that um well and uh, kind of on the just I know we're getting close to time so just a um, couple <laughs> quick questions um so kind of on the other side of that if somebody is wanting more of just experiencing magic and miracles any advice for them as they start to work with sigils wow there, there is a wonderful I know it's a big world. question. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful world of witchcraft. Uh, so I know there's the thing is like there is a lot of stuff out there and I guess it's going to depend on your age what you're going to come across because we have everything from you know traditional libraries to TikTok <laughs> which I, I'm, I'm of the age where I'm like I don't quite get it but okay cool. <laughs> I know it shows up in my Instagram and I'm like, wait, where did this come from? I don't have the TikTok. <laughs> Which is the TikTok? Uh, you know, but there's, there's, there's tons of um, um, young witches and witch folk on there. Uh, so what I, I'd recommend is kind of, um, well, I have a separate, <laughs> I feel like this is a promo for, for what I write, but this is part of me. Um, you know, sigil witchery kind of goes into the magical practice, which can fit into any belief system. But if you really want to explore more, um, we have the liminals book I wrote about regardless of your background, being able to craft a practice that's authentic for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, it gives you a sense of looking at who you are, what makes you up, um, your culture, where you want to go, what's inspiring to you. Um, it's kind of the book I wish I had you know, more than two decades ago when I was a baby witch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and you, you can, you can definitely find a whole lot online, but the, the problem with that is you're going to find a whole lot online. So it's often hard to like wade through the, um, 
noise. Noise, yeah. A lot of noise uh, out there. And making sure that it's something that's somewhat rooted in tradition, but more current. So it's, you know, maybe taking into account where our society is now and how we have, you know, people that are living more freely than they than they've lived 20 years ago in a book maybe wouldn't have even mentioned people who could be witches now. Uh, well, so just before we wrap up, I will make sure in the show notes that we link to your blog and link to your bio and the, and the books that you have as well. But I'd love to hear just where can people connect with you and if there are any, you know, particular things coming up that you want people to know about. Um, just that we make sure that we cover that um, and also link to your Instagram. So if you're listening right now, you can go into the show notes and follow Laura as well. Yay. Oh, Instagram's a great place. Um, LauraTempestSackcroft.com is my, my author website, which kind of has like what's coming up. Uh, right now, uh, where we're at in a couple weeks, um, October 24th and 25th is Gather the Witches, which is an online virtual conference. This is the, the, the bonus of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of virtual events. So that's one that's coming up I'm teaching at. And then there's another one in November, uh, six through eight, which is the Witches Sabbath. Um, oh, which, yeah. That one's a little more focused. Uh, and that's going to be a really excellent event too. And I teach virtual workshops. I do two or three a month um, right now. So folks can join in from all over the world to learn about sigil witchery or witchcraft or ritual um, and also, if you like moving your body, um, I do the Witchful Workout, which is uh, five days a week about connecting with your body um, in a magical way. I love that. Well, I'm going to have to definitely join um, at least one of those, but all of those sound amazing. Um, well, I just want to thank you again for your generosity. I feel like I could just ask you a million questions and we'd <laughs> be here forever. Uh, but it's just been a, an absolute joy to get to speak with you and learn from you um, and mystifying and demystifying witchcraft. Um, so thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you again for tuning in to the One Sealed Letter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Please be sure to follow Laura on Instagram. In the notes below, you'll find all of her contact information. You can also see her art and keep up with other things that she's doing through her Patreon page. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. We don't do any formal marketing for this podcast. And so anything um, that you can do to spread the word, if you have a friend that might be interested, definitely let them know. And then of course, if you had feedback for me, please send me a note. You can message me directly on Instagram at Katherine Hastings Co. Or you can send me an email. It's info at Katherine Hastings Co. Com.